buying behavior has changed. Prospects don't click on links and emails anymore, and they don't watch the videos you spend hours creating every week. Instead, send personalized gifts and memes using Vidyu. You can quickly create engaging, personalized content that immediately grabs your prospect's attention, helps you stand out in the inbox, and does it all without forcing them to click anything or go anywhere. Head over to vidyou.io slash salescast to sign up for free and spend less time getting your messages across and more time selling. Welcome to The Sales Hustle, the only no BS podcast where we bring you the real, raw, uncut experiences from sales change makers across various industries. The only place where you can get what you're looking for to up your sales game. Today's episode is brought to you by SalesCast. SalesCast helps sales professionals transform the relationship building process and win their dream clients. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell. Jeff, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm fantastic, Colin. Thanks for having me. That was a stellar intro, my friend. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm excited to talk about this topic. I, I have a feeling that uh, this is going to be educational for me as well. So um, that's one of the, the biggest benefits of, of having a sales podcast is I get to learn a whole heck of a lot um, while interviewing great people like yourself. So um, before we jump into the tactical stuff and, and have a ton of fun here, just give us the short version of your sales story. Yeah. So um, real quick, uh, I essentially put myself through marketing school by uh, selling through commission sales at Best Buy uh, well, Best Buy Canada, which was uh, commission at the time. Um, so I've never really been able to distinguish between the sales and the marketing side of the equation. And I just live in marketing. So <laughs> over the past uh, 15 years in, in holding various roles at high growth companies, I kind of developed a framework for um, sales sequences that don't suck. And which led me to start Rev Up, where I actually do this for other people now. So super exciting. I get to work with the best outbound teams ever. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm really excited. Awesome. Okay. So how do you think your marketing experience has helped your, you know, helped you in in in, ver- in sales roles and, you know, sequencing and just kind of all of the above? Yeah, no, great question. Um, in fact, when you look at the evolution of sales, even over my career, like the last 15 years, um, you, you see that we went from these simple email marketing tools to these really advanced like sales engagement, marketing automation, um, just the amount of stuff you can do with technology these days. Um, what What's really cool is that I've been able to leverage both sides of the fence. So leverage marketing tools to do sales. And I've been doing it well, well before sales engagement was even a thing. But now mm-hmm. that every sales rep has to be a content marketer, has to be a social selling superstar, has to be a video marketer now, and an email marketer, like all of these put together, these are all things that I've been living in since uh, I was born in my career, right? So uh, so yeah, it, it, what how it helps me is that I'm able to understand the tools and the, the concept of like one-to-many marketing, but also be able to apply one-to-one principles of personalizing your outreach, helping a specific individual, a person, um, and just doing it in a more scalable way. Mm, okay. And so, and, and, and there's just so many tools 
these days. Like it's, and I have, you know, the classic shiny object syndrome. So I like to test out all the tools and then, you know, new tool comes out and I think it's the best thing and get in there and start to try it out and kind of get frustrated a lot of times. (laughs) Uh, So, um, what, you know, what are kind of the go-to tools that, that you've seen that are, you kind of stick with and, uh, you've seen people have the most success with. Sure. No, that, uh, you know, I'm, I can hundred percent share that, uh, thing, Colin is that I'm, I'm just love to geek on, on tools and tech, but, um, you know, storing it down to really the things that work, the things that I use every day. Um, I use uh, stuff like outreach as an example, a fantastic tool. I was introduced to it a couple of years ago when, before they were, you know, a unicorn, uh, and, uh, I thought that the simplicity of how they put together their interface and, and how they make it easy to kind of batch, um, your outbound, your outreach, you know, batch your calls, batch your LinkedIn touches, batch your emails and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I found that it was a very elegant solution that kind of trimmed the fat, like a lot of the things that the, that shiny object syndrome you're talking about, um, that other tools have, they, they, they didn't suffer for that for the longest time. So I chose outreach as my go-to tool. Um, so with, with that's the, that's one, another tool is I can't live without my, my LinkedIn. Um, you know, most people have sales navigator. I have a a grandfathered premium account that I've had since, I don't know, 2010. So it's like 10 bucks a month and I get almost everything from sales navigator. Um, (laughs) and I love it because it allows me to know exactly who's working at what company today. Um, so Mm. that's super fantastic. Um, then yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of really cool features that have come out with, with, with navigator more recently. Like I used to have to have a hack where I would save people's LinkedIn activity URLs on a Google sheet so that I could make sure I'm engaging with the right people and, you know, um, that I'm nurturing relationships with. And and now sales navigator makes that so much easier. Um, but I'm still so frustrated with the two inbox thing, like get it together. LinkedIn. Yeah. Like, why is there two inboxes? Please tell me. Yeah. Um, and, and even when you send like in mail or, you know, messages from the inbox, like it comes off as very spammy. Like you, it's yeah. like, it's like, they know it's, you're trying to sell them something, you know? Yep. Um, so why, why two inboxes? What, what, have, what are you, what are you, what are you, what are your thoughts on that? You know, the first time I got a prospecting email from somebody that that literally said LinkedIn sales navigator (laughs) on it. Um, I just like, I know what it's, I know what it is. So maybe I have a different opinion on it, but it doesn't make me feel like a human. Um, Mm. It makes me know for a fact, even though I probably know, it makes me know for a fact that this person is is either automating or just flipping through a list and and, and kind of going through the motion. So I'm not a big fan of the two inbox thing. I'm not a fan of like making it Um, but I mean, that's just me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so now I've even seen some new things roll out where they're kind of like, you got to approve a message to come in. I don't know. Have you seen that? So on LinkedIn now, like sometimes when you get an in mail, um, you got to like approve like the message before it can even come in, which is just another step, um, which is kind of annoying, but all right. So let's talk about, since we're talking about LinkedIn, um, let's talk about some of the things that you, you know, like to work on as far as like integrating LinkedIn into the sequences and you know how to do that and let's get into some of the the good stuff. For sure, for sure. Well, LinkedIn again, it's my friend. I mean, I sell to salespeople, so like sales leaders. So it's really easy to see that my entire market is on LinkedIn, right? So yeah, for for uh, somebody like myself and my team, like we can absolutely use LinkedIn to its full potential. 
Um, and what, what we use it for is really to create that kind of human approach to prospecting. So instead of batching and blasting, which was, I, I'll tell you, like five years ago, six years ago, it was very, very effective. Um, what we find now is that um, people can sniff an automated email from a mile away. And mm. so really it's about creating that human touch and making sure that you're connecting with the person and what, what is going on in their world and that's important to them and tying it into what you're doing. So what we do is we kind of start with LinkedIn a lot of times. So um, now we have two kind of different approaches. We start with email and phone call and kind of move into LinkedIn. And then yeah. another approach is that we start with LinkedIn, build a relationship, and then we choose a, an opportune time at a later date to start. All right. Know, so let's stop there for one second. Um, sure. I like, the, you know, and, and I love that you bring this up, right? Because I think a lot of times salespeople are looking for that silver bullet. Like, hey, just tell me what's the what's the way that's going to work. Give me the give me the script. Give me the sequence. Give me the playbook and my marching orders. And it's just not that simple. Like sales is just too dynamic. Like you're dealing with different people in different areas, different industries, you know, some are more active on LinkedIn, some are not. So having, you know, different approaches um, is definitely the the recipe for success, in my opinion. And just being open and willing enough to tr test and try new things and always be learning um, yeah. is is huge for, for what I've, you know, my experience in sales. Um, so tell me, like, when does one make sense versus the other and kind of the reasoning behind the two different approaches? Well, I like to um, I like to look at it as this is that um, so it depends on the customer, but for my own, I'll just use my own outreach as an example. Is if I'm looking at a high priority prospect, somebody that I know I can help, um, they've literally said the words like I need help with my sequences or something like that. Um, I'm going to do a personal one to one. I'm going to build a relationship with that person. I'm going to let them know that I'm uh, let let them become aware of what we do. And then I'm going to do the soft pitch. So it's going to be a very different sell than somebody who I might not know about. They might not have an active LinkedIn profile. They may not be talking about the specific thing we're looking at. And so them, I'm going to put in more of an automated, not an automated, but like a email first plus phone call um, sequence instead. So it really is dependent on the buyer. Like what are they doing? What mm. is their digital footprint? And how am I going to adjust from there? Now, what, like just just for reference, when I'm talking about this is when I'm I'm considering they're the same priority account, right? So they're the same importance to me mm -hmm. as a seller. They would equal so that that's how I prioritize there. The more personable, the more active on LinkedIn, they're going to get that personal touch first, and then personal the, touch being what? Uh, it might be something like um, I'm going to follow them. I'm going to read what they're doing. I'm going to comment on what they're doing. So I'm going to understand like, what do they care about? And I'm going to engage in conversation and through that conversation, I'm going to define my next step. Okay. Mm. When I put them in that email call sequence. Okay. So, so you're going to nurture it a bit on LinkedIn before putting it into the more, into the sequence. The direct sequence, right? Like yeah. the more direct sales sequence. Yeah. The direct sales sequence that maybe has a bit more manual tasks in there as well. Hundred percent. Like first email, typically ten to twenty percent manual. Um, you know, for your mid-tier prospects, fifty percent manual, and your top-tier kind of thing. Um, and then it kind of goes from there. Yeah. Okay. And so, um, and and so, tell me, uh, you know, 
you 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 are a sales sequence optimizer, right? So where do, what do you see with people using sequencing and using you know this this tech and 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 things like that, um, where they create the playbooks and kind of set it and forget it, or have too much, you know, too many things that are automated and not personalized and not manual. Just walk me through some of the things that you see and what are like some small changes that people can make to just really optimize their sequences and see more success. Yeah, great question. I do see a lot of people who buy into the concept of, you know, the 4X ROI of installing outreach, that kind of thing. And then they they end up using it like a marketing automation tool where, um, you know, it's the equivalent of this is a newsletter list. They subscribe. They want to hear from me and all that. Um, mm. That that stuff doesn't work. Like you can't treat it like a newsletter list because these people don't know who you are. Um, they're, they're not they're not there. They're not in that headspace of consuming your content Um uh, in, in a positive way. Right. So what, what we see is that I find it very effective that if you know your customers, so this is a very bland term, I'm sorry, but know your customer. If you do your pre-call research, at least spend three minutes per prospect, at least find three things that you can, two of them, two of the three is typically verifying that they are your, your a good fit for you. There's relevancy. And then the third one, I typically look for some type of buying trigger. So something they say, something that's happening in their world, like they're hiring new SDRs or um, they've explicitly stated that they're looking for help with their sequences, that kind of thing. Um, so doing that by itself allows you to make that first touch more um, human, more uh, approachable. And so, and then from there, you can leverage that research that you did to make the next touches more um, personable. Which, and what's your thoughts on using video on that first touch with that personalized researched um, outreach? I don't like video on the first touch. Um, it's And it's not because I don't like video because if, if it gets through to the inbox and, and all that stuff, fantastic. Like it's great, but it, there is a challenge with deliverability on the first touch being image link or video heavy. Um, I mm. always like a, a, a short, no more than three line, no more than 50 word uh, email for the first touch that just kind of, almost explains the thesis, almost like the table of contents of your story that you're telling through your sequence. Okay. And then, uh, and, and so a very concise, straightforward message, text-based, no links, no ask for a time, anything like that. And then we kind of seep in things like video gifts and other personalization uh, and later touches. Mm, okay. I, I, I've, I've, um, I'm also not a big fan of video on the first touch. Um, and a lot of people that I talk to say the same, but I, I like, I like your reasoning there. Um, so video, would you recommend video on the second touch with no reply or only once they reply? I, I like it on, let's say the third plus touch. I always like, again, the first couple touches, I like to be really light and easy and straightforward, right? So like mm -hmm. the first touch is that three-part email is saying the second one might be a very, very simple bump. But let's, um, let's, let's back up for one second. So break down the first touch email, okay. the really simple, not asking for anything, you know, not giving a link, not video. Let's walk me through like the structure of that email. Sure. It's, it's funny you say that because I'm actually releasing a content piece shortly on several of these three, three structures. So I'll just use the one that's pressing in my mind right now. Yeah. Um, but it's the, uh, the three step, which is uh, you start by answering a burning question that you know your prospects have. Okay. Mm. So you know their struggles. You, you, you work with them all the time. You see it. You have the conversations. So you know several strug uh, struggles that they have 
things like we don't have enough time. Um, we can't produce uh, consistent quality in what we do. Um, you know, our costs are too high, what have you, right? Yeah. Um, so answer a burning question. So in some way, it's either some people like the question, some people like a statement, um, and you'll see very adamant and rabid people on both sides of that argument. <laughs> but the first thing is to, yeah. So what it does is it uncovers the, the pains, uncovers roadblocks that they're facing in their day. Um, then what you want to do is, is, is take it a step further. So now you want to tie that in answer that burning question, give them, shed a little more, more light on what's happening. Okay. So give them insight that only, you know, or your related to how your company uniquely solves that problem. Okay. And give them, uh, in, in that insight, give some type of practical tactical tip that they can apply today, whether they work with you or not. All right. So give me, give me an example, like break it down. Like what would your email look like for what you do and what it would say reaching out to people? So give me one second. I'm just going to pull this up. Ah, whatever. Yeah. Okay. So uh, a burning question is, um, I'll just, I'll just do the bullet points because uh, yeah, hard to do copy on here, but the bullet yeah. points is the burning question is why are yeah. people uh, reading my emails? Why mm. are people ignoring my emails? Right. Mm. And then some insight is the reason this is happening is that, you know, your in your prospects are inboxes flooded with the same quick question can I, can you help me? Blah, 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 whatever. Okay. Your mm -hmm. inbox, their inbox is flooded. Um, that's why it's happening. So what you can do to break the mold is do something different potentially with your subject lines or whatever else, that kind of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but being creative in your, in the way that you reach out to your people, whether that's, <clears throat> excuse me, through different channels or whatever else is something that you can actually make a difference. And then um, the, the obviously the third part is the close. So again, everybody has their own way of closing messages. But yeah. something like this, I like to just get them agree to agree with what I'm saying. So something like, are you finding mm. that as well? Or how, how do you think that would work in your organization? You know, mm. would this be helpful to you by using this thing that I'm telling them about? Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a great example. I, I love... That you're adding value, you know, you're 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 piquing their interest. You're you're starting out, you know, pattern interrupt with 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 you know that question, that burning question, right? And then um, you are basically giving them the answer <laughs> to to that, um, and that's another opportunity for it to like resonate with them, like, oh yeah, okay, that's why I have that problem, right? Yeah. Um, and then and then you're giving them like a kind of you know easy possible solution to that and then and then closing it out without like a like a hard hard close or hard sell um yeah. I, I love that all right so um and then so it, it and then so you're saying okay so let's let's shift gears a little bit i want to shift back to back to linkedin right so that's kind of like first first touch and then there you got maybe classic bumps then you're putting in gifs or videos things like that get that um and, and so then on, on LinkedIn, how does your, is your messaging any different than if it was a first touch that started an email? Yeah. So <clears throat> LinkedIn touches, I tend to make it a lot more personal. You're doing it manually. So mm -hmm. you're spending the time to actually make that message anyway. And people feel like, you know, this, I'm sure you look at your inbox, you feel a copy and paste. Yeah. Right, or like an automated touch. So the big the big thing about LinkedIn though is you really got to keep it short and sweet. Short. If it sweet. gets because it just the nature of looking at it, yeah. it's going to look longer 
than than an email just because of the way that it's framed and especially if you're looking at it on mobile yeah. um and as soon as you see something that like literally looks like it's going to take you 10 minutes to read those are immediately ignored and and really um destroy your your trust building and rapport out the gate so so i i'm a big fan of just keeping it really short and sweet um and i like that you said keeping it personalized you're already there you got to do it manually um so is, is it like really doing some research um what i like to do is look for opportunities to reach out so like they say something they post something you're yep. following them look for an opportunity or a reason to reach out and then use that to get that personal outreach what's your what's your thoughts a hundred percent. So like, as an example, when I first even started offering sequence optimization services, um, the literally my first day prospecting on LinkedIn, I saw somebody ask the words, I need help with my sequences. <laughs> so it was right like, place, right time. huh? <laughs> yay. <laughs> right. So, um, so obviously what I did was I, I, I mentioned, I didn't want to say, Hey, I do this as a service, blah, blah, blah. It was more about, Hey, what are you looking for, for, for help? Like, what type of help are you looking for with your sequence? How can I help? These these are some areas that I do. How can I help? So mm -hmm. I think it might have been like a, a line and a half message to, to your point. It was really short and sweet. I saw this. How can I help? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I like that, right? Because most people would tend to jump to like, hey, let's hop on a call. Love to talk about how I can help you. Yeah. What What's wrong with that? The problem is it's not about me. It's ah. about you. It's about you, right? Like, um, I have this uh, document I, I'll share with you. It's called the eight simple rules of sequences that don't suck. And one of them is be you focused. So it's all about your, like, I think Josh Braun said it best in his po a post yesterday on LinkedIn. It was like, um, your prospects don't care about what you do. They care about how you help them, right? Mm. So it, the concept here is be you focused. Be really focused on what they're trying to do. And whether they explicitly state it, great. You've got the cheat sheet. You know the answer, right? If they don't explicitly say it, know it from your research or just what you know about that particular company role, like all that stuff, right? You're, you're able to create relevant outreach. Even if somebody is a closed book online, you can create relevant outreach based on what you know. Yeah. And, and so many people, I mean, people are talking about this, um, all the time, right? Like leading with value, making it, why, why is it that sellers are still just having a really hard time grasping this concept? They get the concept in their heads. Um, it's hard to put it in practice. Okay. And it's even harder to put it in practice in any type of scalable workflow. Okay. So most people have issues with even doing effective personal research on a, on a prospect. They don't know what to look for. They just look for a bunch of things and try to put something together. Mm -hmm. So the way that we help with that is we give people a framework for what to look for. So we have a three by three framework. It's not unique to us. We've heard it from other people, but we simply look for those three things that I mentioned previously, right? It makes it easy on the SDR to be able to know what to look for and know mm -hmm. what frame they're looking at um, when they're researching. So that right there cuts down time, but most people don't know that. They're just like, Look for personalization stuff. Yeah. And a lot of times it's obvious like when it's just, you know, it's easy to see and maybe I'm a little biased, right? Because I just, I just, I get it, right? But it's it's easy to see when it's like just really faked, right? Like you've, they've really just grabbed something, 
pulled a little snippet from your bio or something like that thrown in and like kind of forced it to, to, to work as personalization. Um, but like really good personalization is like when it ties to like, it's personalized and then ties to like what you do or how you help or what their problem is or, you know, so, so talk to me a little bit about the framework. Like what is, what is good personalization versus bad personalization? Yeah, um, <laughs> an example <laughs> of a bad personalization is, hi, Colin, it was great to see that you posted on blah, 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 blah. Uh, you know, like very freaking obvious that you're filling out a form, right? Yeah. And then, and then you talk about, that's why we help you optimize your sequences better than anyone else. You know, like it's completely not tied. It's just completely disconnected. It's just the one line that they say when, even when you buy outreach, there's, there's um, installed templates that say personalization statement as the first line. Right. So, (laughs) but the thing is, is that when you jump right to your value prop and you have no tie in whatsoever to it, it doesn't make any sense at all. Right. Yeah. So um, when what's important with personalization is not that it's hyper-personal. It doesn't need to be hyper-personal. I'll go back to what I said previously about knowing your customer and knowing the jobs that they're trying to, to, to work on, that they're, they're trying to achieve, right? Knowing what they're trying to do and what's holding them back will make that personalization so much easier at scale, right? But the trick is, is that you need to find something relevant that you'll find on their profile, on their activities, on, on whatever, even the company website for all that matters, that allows you to easily make it personal and make it look like you're a human that's doing yeah. it, but then still tie into what you're doing. So I'll give you a quick story of how this is done really, really poorly, okay? Okay. Um, for On my Twitter profile, I state that I like boxing and hockey, okay? So I used to live in Vancouver, BC, Canada. Um, I am not a Canucks fan, I'm just telling you this, but... How many prospecting emails did I get for all about the Canucks? So the first line would be, hey, Jeff, yeah, did you catch that Canucks game last night? I'm Mm -hmm. so-and-so, and and I help people do X with Y. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, a good example example would be they checked your LinkedIn activity, came across this piece of content, and realized – that you hate the Canucks and then said something interesting. (laughs) Be careful. I have a lot of friends in Vancouver. I don't hate the Canucks. Okay. Okay. Maybe that was a, maybe that was a little bit too much of an assumption on my part. Um, Right. Right. But, um, and so, so you got to go deeper than just like, Hey, you live here. So this makes sense. And then, I mean, you got to be really careful making assumptions when trying to personalize, right? Like that's a big no, no. Um, but also, also grabbing something and then going to your value prop that sucks too. Um, so what's the right way to do it? I mean, there's a lot of people out there that are still doing it this way, assuming because of where you live or what you do, you care about, you know, these certain things, um, assuming because you went to maybe a certain school that like, that's going to catch your attention and you're going to give a shit. Um, like, so what is the right way to do it? Like, what are some simple tactical things for, you know, SDRs, BDRs, or even AEs that are like, oh man, this is how I've been doing it. And where do I start to do it differently? So I'll tell you a, a quick disclaimer. Okay. As an SDR, you're going to screw up. You're going to do oh, things yeah. that are wrong. Don't be afraid of that. Like just have courage to like make a mistake, do stupid personalization. What I, what I just described, 
and still keep going. Just make sure you work towards what I'm going to tell you now. When you're um, personalizing, what I recommend is, uh, remember earlier I mentioned that struggle list, right? Like what people are struggling with. Make mm -hmm. a list of all of the things that your prospects are struggling with. Identify indicators of that struggle on their profile, on their activity, on their website. So things that are very, very simple that you can look at and you can go, okay, Colin's having a problem with this thing. Okay. And just train yourself to look for those specific things and then make your personalization about that. So, and that makes it really easy when you do that approach, you're not making a hyper hundred percent personal message every time, like something completely out of the blank, out of the blue, you're, you're kind of leveraging what you already know about what this person's trying to accomplish and you're creating, you're selecting the right phrase and you're wording it in a way that is actually personal and what they care about. Mm. Okay. So it's not, again, I'm not saying to go ahead and just grab a bunch of templates and snippets. It's not that. It's just more about knowing what you're saying is the most important thing. Not knowing what you're saying is what takes SDR so long to, to manage in this process. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and I think the biggest thing is that you said out of all of that is like, you're going to make mistakes and that's totally okay. You're going to do it wrong and that's okay too. Yeah. Um, but just always be open to like getting better and improving. And you know what, in, in order to, to test new things, you got to make mistakes and then learn from them and improve and get better. I still make a ton of mistakes uh, all the time. Yeah. You know? Mistakes are part, part of my process, Colin. I'm not kidding. Like when I start out a new sequence, typically I do I do crappy. Within the next couple optimizations, I'm I'm doing great. Like I'm getting yeah. well, well above industry average. Right? But, yeah, yeah. But see, it's about having the right mindset, right? Is like it's okay to make mistakes, even being vulnerable enough if you run a team to be like, hey, I don't know. We're gonna test this, it might work, it might not work, but we're gonna do it together and figure it out. Um, and then also being willing to make those mistakes and 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 be like that, hey, that's a win. Okay, that didn't work. So yeah. now we know that that doesn't work. What's that going to lead us to? Because a lot of those mistakes are going to lead you to what does work. So yeah. there's value in that. Yeah. They, they say like, um, uh, it, it's all about failing faster, right? Like those are the successful companies. They fail fast. So what that means yeah. is it doesn't mean they fail. Obviously, a, bil a billion dollar company hasn't failed. But what they've done is they've got there on the back of many, many, many failed experiments and to find that one success formula. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I'll, I'll tell you, just for the sales leaders out there, there's just a little bit of what you said that's really important, is that um, I, I was taught a long time ago by one of my favorite mentors ever. Um, he was saying that know the difference between uh, uh, an action and a value. And mm -hmm. so when somebody puts out a really bad email and they get on, they get blasted on social media and they get blasted by their, their company CEO, whatever, um, as a sales leader, you need to identify is this is this indicative of a problem that's behind, the, like, is it the problem behind the symptom? Like, is there something with their values that they're not understanding how to do that personalization properly? Or is this that they just screwed up on this one, they had a bad day, they're hungover because of the Super Bowl or something, I don't know. But like, yeah. know, what, know the difference between an action and a value, and then that will make you better at coaching that behavior out in the future. Yeah. Yeah. They're like teachable moments, right? Exactly. It reminds me of my kids, you know, like when they do something, it's like, you're just going to get mad and like tell them, Hey, we don't do that. Or are you going to take that opportunity? Like, Hey, you know, was there some lack of education here? Like, you know, get some feedback. Like, what do you think went wrong here? Yeah. Okay. What could you have maybe done differently? Like encourage them because if you just slap their hand, 
right? And then and, and tell them they did a bad job, then they're going to be really reluctant to like try and test new things in the future. And that's a recipe for disaster. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Like it's, uh, I remember, I don't know if you ever heard this growing up, but I heard a lot from my mom mm-hmm. because I said so. Uh, yeah. guess how that worked with a guy like me? Uh, mm. not at all. <laughs> mm. yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. I did hear that. And it just made me want to do it, do whatever, do whatever I wasn't supposed to do even more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Like it makes, and I learned later on in my career, I worked with an occupational psychologist for a while. And I learned one of the things that he mentioned was that the word, because if it's used properly, so there's people that have are more resistant. So those people that are hanging up the phone, or being really aggressive on your cold call, those Mm -hmm. people are highly resistant. They have these huge walls up, right? Yeah. With people like that, using the word because, or the reason why, this is Mm -hmm. why this technique is so popular in cold calls, the reason why I called, is that that tears down defenses for resistant people, and it goes, okay, tell me the reason. At least Mm -hmm. I wanna hear the reason. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, or they're just so used to hearing no, you know, when you explain, when you explain or give them a reason or tell them why they're more open. I mean, people like learning, people want to hear what you have to say if it's executed properly. Um, and it's the same, you know, same thing to, to going back to my kids again, it's like, you know, when I tell them no, but, or if I tell them no, and here's why, then it's a much different outcome. Much better. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this goes back to the whole thing though, is that, um, when like leadership used to be very autocratic, very dictatorship, right? It used to be, you do what I say and not what I do, whatever else. Right. But Mm -hmm. we're, we're learning as leaders with a whole new crop of just amazing young people that are coming into the workforce. They're not accepting that autocratic leadership anymore. So when you're thinking about this is like, let create a foster learning environment where people, like we said, it's okay to fail. So to make mistakes, just make progress and, and show continual learning. And yeah, you've got yourself a kick-ass uh, outbound team. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Jeff, it's been uh, a lot of fun having you on and, and talking about these things today. Tons of value for all the sales hustlers listening or watching us live. Um, any final thoughts and then you know anything that you want to let people know that we can include in the show notes for our podcast listeners, um, You know where they can find you, any of the resources that you have, things like that. For sure. So there's there's two things I'd like to uh, let you know about, and uh, they're on the same vein. So just want everybody out there listening to know when you're filling your funnel and you're hustling and to do it, um, you're not alone. There is a lot of great people here waiting to help you out. Um, myself, uh, I, I, I co-head a, a group on Rev Genius called Rev League, where we do weekly competitions. We got a leaderboard, so when you put up meetings, you put your GIF up there and get high fives from everybody. Um, so know that you have that. So uh, talk to me about Rev League and how to join. Um, I'll send you the link, Colin. Um, another thing is that uh, at RevUp, we offer free sequence reviews to qualified people. Um, so it's a free half hour session where we'll actually review what you're doing in your sequence and give you one to two tips that you can take home and boost your results like right away. So Awesome. Uh, if you are tuning into the podcast and you enjoyed today's episode, please write us a review, share it with your friends, and we're listening for your feedback. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Sales Hustle. Are you a sales professional looking to take your sales career to the next level? If the answer is yes, then I want you to go over to salescast.co. 
Check us out. And if you feel that you are ready, set up a time to talk with me and my co-founder, Chris. I'm your host, Colin Mitchell. And if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave us a review and share the podcast with your friends.